Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries Podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. I want to dive into tonight and, um, and, and look at what God has for us. We are in this series called Grow and Live. Uh, that you, <laughs> speaking of the prodigal son, everybody, <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> oh man, I was just saying we're waiting for the prodigal son to walk in, and he walked in, so it's perfect timing, all right, all right, um, yeah, we are in this series called Grow and Live, this is our second week of it, and it's, there's four total weeks, yes, four total weeks, and so, um, Grow and live, I, I, I can't give a full recap of last week, but basically this is a series where we are looking at and talking through the DNA of ETYM. What makes ETYM, ETYM, and uh, really the, the, uh, the why behind what we do, everything that we do. Uh, basically, we want you all, as you walk out of this ministry, down the road, we want you to have done both of these things, grown and, and that you will be better at living out your faith. And so there's an internal focus. We want you to grow in your walk with Jesus. So we do a lot of things to help you grow with Jesus. And then also we want to help you live out your faith, to go externally uh, and go love people, to look like Jesus, and, and ultimately like Matthew 5:16, to be the light of the world, that they would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so we want to help you do those two things, to grow and then also to go and live like Jesus. And so that's, that's the why behind uh, everything that we do at ETYM. Uh, if you remember the whole growing aspect, I talked about how last week, um, it, it's like a, a child that starts to resemble their father, and their father is proud of that. He, he loves to see their chi- his child be raised up to start looking like him. He starts to see the similarities. And in the same way, our God is glorified. Our Heavenly Father is, is glorified. He's, he's praised and he's pleased when he sees his children start to look like him. And so uh, there's that analogy, but then also the live aspect. The father loves when his son or daughter wants to bring others and say, look at my dad. I want you to meet my dad. Look how cool my dad is. And, and that just brings a sense of pride and happiness and pleasure um, to the father. In the same way, our heavenly father is glorified, and he loves to see us wanting to show other people our incredible God. And so that's what we want to help you do, to grow, to look like your father, and also to live, to show other people your father. And so uh, an assessment we did at the end of last week's sermon, and we said, well, we do the growing part really well. We help you grow in a lot of ways. We have youth services, youth retreat, youth camp, all to help you spiritually look more like God, to grow in your relationship with him. We have Sunday school, a very practical way to know his word and therefore look more like him and to live with him in a deeper way. So these are all ways to help you grow. There's fine arts and teen Bible quiz, social events with the rest of the body of Christ. All of these things are hopefully gearing you to to. to grow in your relationship with God and with his people and with his word. It's all an internal focus. Um, all these things are. So we do really well, I think, in the helping you grow as Christians. 
But what we have made a commitment to last week is saying we want to be equally good at helping you live like Jesus out in the world to give you opportunities to do that, to, to send you and to, to just open up doorways to where you can walk through them and live like Jesus. We want to have an equal amount of ways that you can do that. Well, we have three in specific. Helping you live like Christ in the world, we want to help you love people that aren't a part of ETYM or aren't a part of, or aren't inside these four walls. Loving them with, one, your time, with your prayers, and with your money. Again, I can't recap everything, but every three months we have a new group of people that decide what type of people we're going to love, what organization we're going to partner with to love them, and the times in which we're going to serve and go and pray for those people. Every three months we're going to, we're going to do all that. So can't recap it all, but um, that's what we're going to do. Well, I want to focus on each one of these three in the next three weeks. Today, tonight, I want to look at how we are going to love those outside of ET with our time, okay? So this is living externally for those around you with your time. That is serving people, going out and doing, giving them of your time and your energy to where you can point them to Jesus. They would see your good works and glorify your Lord in heaven, all that he would be pleased as you are pointing people to him. So, uh, and the reality is there will always be needy people. You ever thought about, you ever think about that? There will always be needy people as long as we are living until Jesus comes back and he takes his people and he, and he makes everything, sets everything right in the world, completely wipes away sin until that happens and it will happen one day. Until that happens though, there will always be needy people. It is a guarantee we actually see that in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 15, God actually says to the Israelites, there will never be a time in which there aren't needy people among you. And so you'd say, well, maybe that's just God speaking to the Israelites. Well, you also see in the New Testament, Jesus says that. And, um, and in Ma- Matthew 26, verse 11, if you want to write that down, Matthew 26, 11, Jesus says, you will always have needy people. There will always be people who are needy, but you won't always have me with you. This was speaking to where he was going to die and, and be raised again, um, to be sitting in heaven with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so he was saying, you won't always have me, but you will. It's a guarantee. Always have needy people. You always will. Always have needy people. And so as God's people, we have an expectation to love those needy people, people that genuinely need to not only hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, most definitely that, but they need love, they need encouragement, they need friendship, they need, a lot of times, physical resources. There are people that are needy, and we are able to love them. We're called to do that as God's people. Let me read a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 10. It says in verse 17, For the Lord your God is the God of gods, and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awe-inspiring God, showing no partiality and taking no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the resident alien, giving him food and clothing. You are also to love the resident aliens since you were resident aliens in the land of Egypt. So there's a few things I want you to catch here in this passage in Deuteronomy. One, it shows that our God, the God over everything, 
the God over everything, he has no partiality. He's not partial to one group or another, specifically the rich. He won't love you more if you're able to give him money. He won't take a bribe if you, if you just have all this wealth to give to his kingdom, to give to his church. He's not moved by that. He loves everybody. If anything, he's very intentional about loving the needy. It says he executes justice for who? Not for the rich, for the capable, for the people that are well off. No, he, he is intentional about executing justice for the fatherless, for the widow. He loves the resident alien. What's that, what's that mean, the resident alien? That's um, individuals that aren't from where they currently are. You remember the book of Ruth? She was a resident alien going to Moab for a while. She wasn't from that nation, but she was living there, so she was an outsider, a foreigner, Somebody that stands out like a sore thumb, might not be socially accepted. Somebody that has a disability in, or a disadvantage socially. He's saying, I execute justice for the fatherless, for the widow. I love the resident alien, giving him food and clothing. If anything, our God is very intentional to show love to the needy. And so as his people... It says in verse 19, you are also to love the resident aliens since you were resident aliens in the land of Egypt. If you know the story of the Old Testament, no expectation that you would. But if you do, uh, there was a time where Israel, God's people in the Old Testament, were resident aliens. They were actually slaves. Step down from resident alien. You were a slave to another nation. And so he says, you should be able to love that kind of person because you know exactly what it's like. So when you think about us, okay, Track with me here. When you think about us and how Deuteronomy 10 relates to us, we have a God that loves the needy. And we should also, verse 19 applies to us, we should also love people in need. First, firstly, because we should reflect our God's image as he is our father. And we are his children. We should love them because we are like God. But another step into it, we should love the needy, the person that God loves, because we should be able to identify with them. We should be able to relate to the needy. We can relate to the needy, to the fatherless, to the widow. We can relate to the widow. You can relate to the fatherless. You can relate to the resident alien, the foreigner, the outcast. You can relate to those people. And you're like, I oh, no, actually can't. You don't. I think you maybe forgot my story. No, you can. You might not feel like you, you might feel like you have nothing in common. Get this. You might feel like you have nothing in common with the teenage girl that accidentally got pregnant in your school. You might feel like you have nothing in common with her. You might feel like you have nothing in common with a person that has been hit by life so hard that they're now living in a sleeping bag. Right? You might feel like you have nothing in common with that person's life. You might feel like you have no uh, common grounds with a person whose sibling or parent has just died. You've never went through that grieving process. You might feel like you have no relatability at all. But scripture tells us you do. You can relate. You can identify with those individuals. We all make mistakes and find ourselves sometimes wondering, what in the world am I going to do now? Just like that girl. We can all relate 
to that grieving family, though we might not know exactly what it feels like to lose a family member, we do know what it feels like to feel the worry of what it would be like to lose that person. The, the love that you have for your family members, the, the desire to not lose them, you can relate to that. And we all can relate to the sin in this world that you struggle with and you still fall to. You can all relate to temptation, all relate to failure. We can all know exactly what it's like to be hit by life hard. Ultimately, we, we are all in need, guys, right? We're all in need. We're all needy people. We all need Jesus Christ. Without him, we mess up, we struggle with sin, and we always fall to it without his empowerment. Without him working in us, we will always fall to sin. We will always make the wrong decision. We will always make the mistake. Without him, we are these individuals. So we can relate because we are desperately in need spiritually for God just as much no less than any one of these individuals. So when you, when you might think to yourself, I, I can't relate to that girl that got pregnant or the, the person that has lost their loved one. I don't know what to say to them. Consider you are just as in need. You know exactly what it feels to be broken, discouraged, beat down. You can relate. We all can and so that's what God says. He says, you should love the resident alien, the person that I love. Because you know exactly what that's like. You might not have gone through the exact same circumstances, but we all know what it's like to be in need. So we're called to walk towards the needy people. We're called to walk towards need. To walk towards the suffering. Not away from not around, walk towards the suffering person, to walk straight up to the person that needs to hear the gospel, to walk straight up to the person that needs something, not to try to keep uh, away from eye contact, but to walk to them, to march up to them, to love them. We're called to walk towards the needy, not away from them, and it's uncomfortable, but it's so important. It's, It's uncomfortable, it is, but it's so important as the people of God. You might hear in uh, in a few weeks, we... Fingers crossed. We're, we're, we're seeing about a guy coming and speaking uh, in a couple weeks on a Sunday. And you might, so you might hear his story, his testimony a little bit. But um, I'll tell it just briefly. Uh, he was driving down a road. And um, long story short, he saw a few uh, broke down cars that he, he wanted the parts off of. And so he drove up to that person's house, knocked on the door, and uh, was just about to strike up conversation to see, hey, what are you doing with those cars or anything? He didn't get any of that out because the guy just started yelling at him, screaming at him, cussing at him and saying, get off my property, get out of here and just a really mean, grumpy person and so uh, he was kind of rushed out of there. He also had his uh, son in the car with him and uh, so he, he rushed out of there. Well, he was driving down that same road the next day and uh, and he stops the car and he tells his son, he writes all this story in the book, by the way. I don't know him personally, but reading this testimony in a book. Um, he says that he drove up the next day, stops, parks the car for a second on the side of the road, and he tells his son, I think I'm going to go speak to that guy again. And, and the son, of course, is like, Dad, why would you do that? The guy was crazy. He was a lunatic. He could get hurt. Who knows what he's going to do? And, his, and the dad was like, no, he, I, I need to just talk to him. 
and just at least show love and kindness to him, maybe apologize for even going on his property in the first place, but I just want to be a kind person to him. And so, so he does. He pulls into the driveway, goes, knocks on the door, and when the guy answers, he says, what are you doing back here? And, and he says, I just wanted to apologize to you that I, that I came on your property. I shouldn't have even done that in the first place. And the guy ends up, the guy that answered the door, the mean person that kicked him right off of his property, he said, I was about to take my life just two minutes ago, and you came and knocked on my door, and uh, thank you for coming and talking to me right now. Oh my goodness, God's providence, right? God would just really lead his people to love people. He, he, he leads you straight to, if you just follow God's leading, follow God's heart within you, he will lead you, not away from, not around, straight towards the person is in need. It is in need. Jesus walked straight towards somebody that was in desperate need in John chapter 4. We can, we can see that as an example. Um, let me read the first, four, or first seven verses of this chapter. It says, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria, and so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon that Jesus did this, that Jesus was worn out, sat down by the well. Verse 7 says, A woman of Samaria came to draw water, Give me a drink, Jesus said to her. And, and if we could just keep reading, I don't have the time, but if we kept reading this story that maybe many of you guys know, we'll come to see that Jesus starts to lay out the gospel of himself to her. And he actually leads her to faith, to, to believing in him as the Messiah. And she goes and tells a bunch of people, and they become Christians. And he really starts a revolution through this Samaritan woman, if we just could keep reading, but... Just these first seven verses show us not even the conversation he has with the person in need, not all the crazy things that will happen from that conversation with that person in need, but it shows Jesus walked straight to a person in need, and that's our first step. We need to walk towards the person in need because we can relate to them, because we're God's, we're God's people, we're his children, and so we should walk to them. That's what Jesus does. And... Uh, it's really interesting, so to kind of just summarize, it seems like a really, uh, it's like the introduction to a story, but not the actual story itself. Well, I think there's a lot in this passage. So to summarize it, he was leaving this region, not even a city, it's, it's a region of area called Judea, and he was going up to a different region called Galilee, and in between there was this region called Samaria that he went through. Actually, let me show you here. You guys see this? It's really kind of hard to, uh, to read. Hopefully you can read. At the very top there, that says Galilee, okay? The G word there, Galilee. In the middle there, that's Samaria. And then Judea. So Jesus went through Samaria up north to Galilee. He was, he was leaving Judea there at the bottom, which is where Jerusalem was, which is probably where he was. That white line, though, you guys see that white line? That's the typical route the Jew at Jesus' time. That was the typical route that somebody took when they were going from the region of Galilee to Judea or vice versa, Judea to Galilee. Like going south and then whoop, 
hit the border of Samaria and go right around it. In fact, it was so out of the way that they actually had to cross the Jordan River. Ancient times, they actually didn't have freeway bridges, right? It's not the easiest. But they had to cross the Jordan River, go south, and then cross the Jordan River again just to get into Judea. Why? Because there was such a prejudice against Samaritans, people of that region, Samaria. People didn't, uh, Jews didn't want to speak to Samaritans. They're prejudiced. And vice versa, Samaritans were prejudiced to uh, Jews. I thought they were snobby. Makes sense. So this was a typical Jews route, but Jesus says he had to travel through Samaria. Well, it wasn't because that was the only route. We know that. It was actually not the common route. Everybody went around Samarita, Samaria. So, so he had to travel through it. So maybe we could say he was one rushed, which if you keep reading through John, he actually wasn't rushed. It wasn't that he was rushed. Maybe he had to make a pit stop. No, because everybody, uh, you could get things from other places. Because everybody always makes that trip around Samaria. You don't have to go through it. But it says he had to travel through Samaria. I think one of, if not the reason, that Jesus had to travel through Samaria is because he knew there was a needy woman at a well that he needed to speak to that would eventually lead other people to faith in Jesus Christ. And he had to walk to her, walk straight to her, not around, not ignore the needy person. He had to walk to the needy person. Had to. And in fact, if you keep reading the passage, uh, at the very bottom there, she wasn't just a needy person. I, I, I want you guys to catch this. Jesus didn't just walk to any needy person. In fact, he walked to one of the most needy people in that area, I'm guessing. That's usually what he does. If you keep reading through uh, the Gospels, he goes straight to the lame person that, that is a beggar and has been their whole life. He walks straight to the person that stands out, that is in desperate need. This woman was one, a Samaritan, unliked. A woman that was a Samaritan, so it was already taboo, one, that you would be talking to a Samaritan, let alone a woman Samaritan, as he was a rabbi, so a, a high esteemed teacher of the Bible, speaking to a Samaritan, but then also a Samaritan woman, but then even more, it was a woman at the well at noon. I'm like, okay, wow, that's really great, Isaac. A woman at noon? <gasps> well, if you think about it, actually, the women went to go draw the water from the well. That was pretty typical socially, historically. But they always did it early in the mornings or late at night when it wasn't so hot. This woman did it in the middle of the day. Why? Because she wasn't accepted among the other women of the city of the town. She wasn't accepted socially. She had to go when nobody else would be around because that was a time that it was okay for her to walk out in public. If you keep reading through the story, Jesus talks to this woman and she has now been with five different men, four husbands. The fifth one wasn't, isn't her husband. And so socially, she is completely estranged and looked down on. Everybody's disgusted by the sight of this woman. That's why she shows up at noon. That's why Jesus showed up and had to be in Samaria at noon at that well. Jesus walks straight to a needy person, not just a needy person. He walks to a person that is in desperate need of what he has, ultimately the gospel of himself. 
He walked straight to her. If you keep reading the, uh, the story, get to verse 27, it says, that Just then his disciples arrived, and they were amazed that he was talking to a woman. Yet no one said, What do you want? Or why are you talking with her? So he didn't a- they didn't ask the woman, What do you want? Why are you talking to our, our rabbi? And they didn't say to the rabbi, Jesus, uh, what, Why are you talking to this woman? They just were like, oh, What's happening? They were surprised. But they didn't say anything. Can I be honest? I think that's us a lot of the times. Anybody that would reach out and be loving to a person that is socially estranged and looked down on, downcast, and somebody would go and associate with them. A lot of the times, guys, we can talk about how the Pharisees would talk about Jesus. Who are, you, who are you to go and sit with the tax collectors? And we would always talk about how the Pharisees did that. We do that a lot of the times. We would say, what are they doing over talking to that guy with the cardboard sign? Oh my gosh, what are you doing? We do that. A lot of times we're the disciples that don't say anything. We just stand there, and if we're being honest with what we're thinking, we're saying, what in the world is he doing And we want to say, but we don't say, you should get out of here. What are you doing talking to him? We don't say it, but a lot of the times we're at least uncomfortable because that person shouldn't be talking to that person. A lot of times we're like the disciples, but oh, if we would just follow our Lord as he walks straight to the needy. As he walks straight to the needy, not around them like the typical person does, but to them to meet their needs, and to love them. So how will ETYM, as a group, as, as us as a whole, right, love the needy, serve the needy, care for the needy? Well, like I said, we're gonna, every three months, we're going to choose a group of people amongst you guys, and that group's going to sit down with me, and we're going to decide what demographic are we going to focus on the next three months I think I even have, yeah, you see this? This is just a, a kind of a general idea. We're going to decide what demographic of people are we going to um, really focus on the next three months, and then what organization are we going to partner with and call up and say, hey, how can we serve you one Saturday afternoon and serve these people? So if we want to care for the orphans, we're going to get a hold of iPoor Life. They are an incredible organization, Sarah, and I love iPoor Life. They're local here, and they care for foster kids. A lot of people actually that, that have gone through this youth group, believe it or not, that were in the foster care system, they've been a part of iPoor Life. So if we decide we want to just serve orphans for the next three months, foster kids, we might call up iPoor Life and say, hey, what can we do on a Saturday with you guys to love that group of people? If we want to care for bereaved families, lost and found as down Glenstone, like I told you about, we'll call them up and say, how can we serve this demographic? How can we help you serve that demographic? That's what we're going to do as an organization, as ETYM, as a group of people. That's what we're going to do. But until then, There's personal application for you guys as individuals right now. Not just a what will ETYM do that you'll hopefully be a part of if your Saturday's free. Uh, down the road, what, what will ETYM do? No, what, what can you do walking out of here that we saw out of Deuteronomy 10 and John chapter 4? We see Jesus' example. What can be applied in your life? You as an individual, what could, what could we say Well, first, I would say that it starts with your perception of people, that Jesus speaks to our perception of people. 
And we should grow to identify with the needy. That our default perception of them should not be one of disgust or demise or just looking down on, but to say, I'm in need too. I can relate to you, maybe not that specific scenario, but I know exactly what it feels like to be broken, to be beaten down, to be in need. I know. I know. And so I don't look down on you at all. I look at you with love, and I want to care for you. It starts with our perception. Maybe that applies to you. Maybe, maybe that's something that you could really wrestle with God on tonight, is your perception of needy people. I'd encourage you to really think on it. But it doesn't just end with your perception. That's where it starts. You have to walk. You have to go. So be the first in your group of friends. Be the first here in ETYM to be the one that leads the charge to say, we will take on that group of people, the orphans, and we will love them. We aren't going to be relaxed for the next three months. We are going to charge after loving orphans with all we have, and you could be the person that leads the group in that. To walk towards the needy, not around them. To be Jesus among his disciples, even though they might be looking and saying, what are they doing? What are you doing? Who cares what they think? Who cares what everybody else in the group might think that you are just headstrong and maybe you should just cool down a little bit. Don't cool down. Be excited and be like Jesus where they're, though they might be thinking, what in the world are you doing? Saying, I'm loving the needy. I'm walking straight towards them, not around them. And lead them. Believe it or not, you, you are influential in this group. Every single one of you can make ripples into how the person sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, you can make ripples in how they act and how they live. You can impact the trajectory of what this youth group does. And it starts with not only perceiving the needy, but like Jesus, walking straight to them. and saying, I'm going to do all I can to love that person. So with that said, I want us to spend some time with God to wrestle through this, to think through this, to pray through this, to challenge yourself, to let the Holy Spirit challenge you, to mold you, to shape you, so that when October comes and I meet with that first group of people and we decide the demographic and we decide the, the organization that we're going to meet with, we decide the dates of the prayer service that we're going to pray for those people, when all that is set in stone, you will not only be on board, but you will be Leading the charge. I want to spend some time in prayer with God. Thinking through that. And working through that. And embracing the conviction and the challenge of the Holy Spirit. To make you more like him. To where you can go out and live like him. Like Jesus. So with that said, would you guys spread out with me? Uh, you, can, you can move anywhere you want to throughout this room. And uh, just find a spot. Just find a spot wherever. Get alone with God. And I would encourage you to seek to have his eyes, to have Jesus' eyes for the needy, to see them not through your eyes, through the lens in which you were raised, your ideals, 
Maybe the privileges you might have, not to see them through the lenses of those things, but to see them through the lenses of your heavenly Father who says, I love the fatherless. I love the widow. I give food and water to the foreigner, to the needy. So ask God to have his eyes. And then also ask him for the courage to take lead in this group to lead your peers here in ETYM as we go to serve those people and love those people. I I would encourage you to seek both those things. His eyes to see them and the courage to go and do something about it. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.